Andrew McGahan here for Severe MMA. The pride of Limerick, the young man named Sean Sheehan. The Severe MMA people that are coming to the local shows way before everyone else. To see them coming up and they're getting their shot, and I'm proud that people are coming up with me. Episode 89 of the Severe MMA podcast is finally here. Andrew McGahan joined, as always, by Sean Sheehan, ladies and gentlemen. Sean, I resisted the urge to go through the bingo number fiasco that we had way back when on Severe MMA podcast history. Do you recall the one I'm talking about? I don't. Tell us. Um, whatever episode number it was, oh, I yeah. think our opening segue was me pitched into being a bingo call number right. and make it like two ducks, 22. What number are we now? 89, 89. Is it? So I was going to say something like, feeling fine, it's episode 89. Oh. We'll have top of the house number 90 next week. Oh, stop. That's brilliant. I think the, Can't wait for that one. <laughs> I think the lowest point of that episode I was talking about was when I said, your place or mine, it's number 69. Oh. And then, yeah, there was just deafening silence from yourself afterwards. <laughs> you know? just, leave that, <laughs> just leave that one where it is. <laughs> yeah, and especially when you consider the the age and demographic of people that attend the bingo halls. I... I, I <laughs> I don't really understand why they didn't invite me back for a second week on the mic, (laughs) you know, on the ones and twos. (laughs) It's MC MC Gahan here. Yeah, well, MC's already in it, like, that's the thing. Yeah, no, you can call yourself MC Gahan, so it just looks like McGahan. My my DJ name was DJ Andy MacBook Pro. Oh, God. No. (laughs) It's a terrible name. Well, because Andy Mac, you know, so Andy MacBook was just kind of the the next thing on. That could have been my gimmick. Oh, Pat- Patrick did a lot of DJ before. What was his DJ name again? Pato. Oh, no. Oh, fuck it. I can't remember. Next week. I'll, I'll tell you all next week. Was it the Spin Master? No. Do, do, do. Actually, funny story. I, you know, I used to work in, in nightclub when I was in college and stuff, and he used to do the DJ there. And like at that, that time, there was like two or three nightclubs in Newcastle West, and it, like it was the worst nightclub, and nobody used to go there. And we literally, <laughs> we literally spent about an hour and a half in a nightclub one night. I was the only one working in the bar, and he was the only one. He was in the DJ box, and that was it. You get the reference, I hope, Sean. What? Um, please stand for, for the, national the national anthem. <laughs> for those outside of Ireland, maybe that wouldn't get that reference. Look, it doesn't matter. But for those that do listen outside of Ireland, as well as those that do listen inside Ireland, here is something. That is suitable for everyone because the Severe May podcast sponsors OROS Nutrition. They ship worldwide, Sean Sheehan. Ooh, do they? They certainly do. Head on over to OROSNutrition.com for a fully stocked range of absolutely every product you can need for your fitness and wellness needs. If you're an athlete, if you're a GEA player, the season is winding down, but knowing the GEA, they'll be back in preseason in a couple of weeks' time, Sean. Running the legs off the country, boys, getting ready for the championship next year. And if you need to go, maybe you lost in the semi-finals or the quarter-finals this year. Maybe your lads can get a little bit faster, a little bit stronger for next year. Get them on a gym program and make sure they are supplemented by rosnutrition.com for recovery, pre-workout, performance, endurance, absolutely everything under the fitness sun, ROS Nutrition have you covered not only GEA, martial arts, football, athletics, cycling, every single thing you need. It's categorized by sport, selected by ORS Nutrition, the absolute top quality products that you would need to enhance 
your all-round sporting sporting capability, Sean. I would say that. If nice. you're even just in the gym, maybe you want to get a little bit bigger. It is bulking season after all. Mm. The uh, All of the... like. I've seen a guy before, Sean, who was so big he couldn't tie his own shoelaces. His arms were that big. Do you know Kelly that sort Munson of thing? job, yeah. Yeah, yeah like... JJ Murphy. If you're that guy, you want to go down that route, 100% ORS Nutrition have the products that will help you get there as well. Um, they are also, as well as catered by sport, they're catered just by general gym goers who want to um, maybe recover a little bit quicker, hit more PBs in the gym, Sean. You know, all of the fitness terminologies I'm throwing out at every single listener today. Getting cold and wintry now as well. Time to stock up on the vitamins and stuff like that. Oh, the changing of the season. It had me crippled a while ago. The yeah. August to September transition is one. Um, I should have been more loaded up on my multivitamins. Mm-hmm. My fish oils, my krill oils, all available at orsnutrition.com as well. And I'm telling you about everything that they have. I know people have already rushed off to their website, but it gets even better than that, ladies how and gentlemen. How could it get better than that? Doctor. Tell Take my now. word for it. Take my word for it. Because ORSNutrition.com have given listeners of the Severe May podcast an exclusive 25% off their first order if you use the discount code SEVEREMMA when you're checking out. Too much. Not like, not like little Chris from a couple of years ago, Sean. Do you remember his song? Ch-ch-ch-checking me out. No, I don't remember. Oh, okay, never mind. ORSNutrition.com. <laughs> Use the code SEVEREMMA for 25% off your first order. Check them out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. As well, they've got delicious recipes over on their website, healthy snacks as well. And it's um, two thumbs up for myself and Sean Sheen. Well, no, well, four, four thumbs up. up. Well, yes, four thumbs up. Excellent work, Sean. Mm. Thank you very much for That's saving me That's a great put the good use there. The what? The maths degree put the good use. Oh yeah, there. definitely. If I have two fingers and Sean has two fingers, <laughs> how many more times do we have to make this joke on the Severe May podcast? I'd say one more. We get one it in once time. more for the end of the day. Okay, that's definitely good enough. Before we get into the nitty and gritty of this week's podcast, and maybe even just to continue the Father Ted reference that we had started, because I do not want to get away from that, Sean. I'm very mm. sorry. But we just have a little announcement to make. In case you tune out over the next 145 minutes, hopefully you do not. Hopefully we have your attention. Full undervalued attention. We've got a little bit of news for next week's podcast. We're going on holidays. 89 weeks in a row. Give or take, Sean. I would definitely say there's been something released from the Severe MA podcast for the last 89 weeks. We need to unplug the equipment. We need to blow the dust out of the cartridges. We need to replace the batteries. And we need to recharge the batteries just a little bit as well. Do you know? My Mondays mm-hmm. need to go back to not having Sean Sheehan in them for about 14 oh, more days. I want <laughs> It'll be fantastic. But the main reason is no fight card um, this weekend and no fight card the following weekend as well. Am I right, Sean? Yeah. In, that, in the schedule. So... Do you want to drop it down to the people maybe on what we're going to do to make it up for them? Yeah, we're going to do instead, because 205 is so packed, we're not going to be able to get everything in. So what we're going to do is we're going to do two UFC 205 podcasts instead. So the, the week of UFC 205, we're going to have uh, two, two podcasts. So we're not, uh, you're not going to be one podcast less, should we say it that way. So um, we, you know, they're like UL Romero and fucking Chris Weidman and Frank Edgar and Jeremy Stevens. And Misha Tate and Raquel Pennington and Tim Kennedy and Rashad Evans. Those fights, like, we're not going to be able to talk about them on a podcast because we're talking about the three title fights and everything else is going to be happening. So we're going to devote a podcast to 
to beat stuff in 205 and we're going to put a podcast to the huge stuff in 205 so there's going to be two podcasts that week that week probably have one normal one and we might have a video one and we might get pizza and nylon or we might we might do something you'll never know or maybe we just have two audio podcasts but we'll definitely have two things on uh on 205 week anyway and we we won't have one next week but we'll be back the week after talk about dosanios and ferguson and all that good stuff it's all up for grabs now expect mass amounts of irish mma podcasts or just mm, irish podcasts in general to pop up next Monday and or other webs, other podcasts just decide to release a a podcast on a Monday to fill your void. Don't take it. Give your views, give your attention over to the MMA Hour, Ariel Hawani on a Monday. That's that's where they go and then we'll come back, you can come back to us. Just listen to this one twice. Yeah, actually no, (laughs) listen to this one next week. Yeah. And uh, and then otherwise, me and Sean's conspiracy theory podcast will drop next Monday, yeah. and we can uh, launch that instead. Building uh, Seven, that was a controlled explosion. Building Seven, <laughs> yeah. So look, let's get into it, Sean. No, we're not getting <laughs> into it. Not a jet fuel oh, can't yeah. melt steel beams. <laughs> there was they, they found um, they found uh, this fucking this this this, this shit in, in the debris, this little powder that you can only find in warehouses, and they found it there. Explain that, Andrew. I can't, Sean. Exactly. Government I can't. My job, Donald Trump. Hillary. <laughs> By the way, just okay. That we won't talk about conspiracy theories. But yeah. from what I saw of the presidential debate last night, please tell me there is some. Like I know Zombie Prophet's been signed up by the UFC. Fair Congratulations, play. Zombie Prophet. You're an absolute legend. But. We want I I need to find more general gift makers in my life, some more non MMA gift makers. I know there's absolutely someone out there that has stopped Donald Trump roasting Hillary Clinton last night. Snoop Dogg still Dre comes on and a joint comes into Donald Trump's mouth as the sunglasses come down. Donald Trump isn't fit to run our whatever system. Yeah, because you'd be in jail. Outstanding. Yeah. I, I was I was talking to Bin Fox last night actually about this and I was like this is it's the most depressing and entertaining um election there's ever been but even the entertaining bits are depressing if you know what I mean like it's just okay it's funny and everything but god I, like this is these are the two best people like America have to offer the the leaders of the free world these are the two people like okay Hillary is bad but okay at least I I think at least she'll keep the status quo and she won't do much. She's I know she's a bit of a loose cannon, but Trump is just off his fucking head altogether. Like, but it, it, like it is funny, and I think it. Uh, I think the fact that he's definitely not going to win now, I think that kind of makes it funnier because we can maybe we maybe you could kind of enjoy him, not enjoy him, but enjoy the antics a little bit. Like, did you see him like standing behind Hillary and just like gazing at her last night? And uh, it, it was just so weird. Like, it's it's not that it's it, some of it's funny, like, but it's like he her him threatening to like put her in jail and stuff, like. Okay, that's never going to happen, and also it's kind of just a, like an idle threat. But I was like, so weird. Like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, that's something dictators do and stuff. But he's jibed in afterwards. Like, um, if if Donald Trump was president or something, and then he comes back, well, if I was president, you'd be locked up. <laughs> it's like, oh, he's that's like what I said. Comedian. Like, yeah, but he's like a stand-up comedian. It's just so madness. One one final thing before we get into for for the first time in a while, Sean, we're not talking about mixed martial arts fights that that's happened. So in the great country of America anyway. Oh, yeah. We're going to be in, in the UK, so it's kind of opposite land, mm-hmm. you know, this week. But um, the one thing from it all, okay, 
Donald Trump, from the start, like you could tell with those audio tapes that leaked on him the other day, he is that kind of guy. And anybody that didn't know that is just, they're kidding themselves. Do you know what I mean? Donald Trump is a horrible human being. Of course he's going to talk about women like that. Of course he's one of these guys that just, you know, would make your skin crawl if you were in a room with him and had to listen to him. But I don't know. We're living in the Kim Kardashian era of the world here, Sean, where whatever it is, the media are proposing an outrage or people are so outraged about how Donald Trump spoke about women. But don't mind the fact that Hillary Clinton deleted tens of thousands of emails off a private server to protect herself. Do you know? I, I think they do mind. I just think it's... Uh, I but think like, the problem you is... Can't, you can't be... like you, Donald Trump's going to lose an election because of this audio tape. And I'm yeah. not saying that Trump should have been the president of the United States, but like the guy who could incite a nuclear war over the, over an argument you know, See, isn't really a promising thing. The problem with America and all politics... Oh, here we go. Sean Sheen's no. <laughs> going to just... Ro- the problem with America. <laughs> no, but mo- it's, uh, like it's, it used to be bad enough here, but I think it's actually changed a lot. It's, it's very party politics. It's like, you're either a Republican or you're a Democrat. And... That's it. Like you know, I was, I watch CNN after the debates and stuff, and they have these staunch Trump defenders and these staunch Hillary defenders, and they can can't see any light. They can't see anything but their their side of it, and that's no good. You need someone who can see both sides of it. Like okay, they have some neutral people, but those neutral people aren't really even neutral because it's on CNN. They're very pro Hillary, which okay, I'm okay, but because Donald Trump is a fucking idiot, but uh, I don't. It's just. Party politics is just so weird, like that. Like we had it for years with Fianna Gael and Fianna Fáil. I think it, I think it has changed a lot. We saw a lot, you know, a lot of independents got in last time, and a lot of you know, like Fianna Fáil almost died out last time, and Fianna Gael got in. Now Fianna Gael are going to do shit this time. So, I think people are kind of just changing that way. But in America, it's, it's. I think it's still that way. I know there are a lot of independents and stuff, but I think people kind of sway one way or another. You know. <sighs> Here's how you fix it. The Rock goes into partnership with Facebook, right? With Mark Zuckerberg. So that means Mark Zuckerberg can put a video from The Rock on every single American's timeline or Facebook page Mm. announcing that he's going to run independently for the President of the United States. The Rock gets elected in a landslide victory. People's elbows, Donald Trump. Then Mark Zuckerberg gets access to the NSA. There you go. That's pretty much... The world's in the world ends. <laughs> <laughs> Boom. Uh, <laughs> Excellent. So that's about it. I, I was, I really, if I had been on my game, if I had been sharper this Monday afternoon, and when I made the boom, I should have transitioned perfectly into saying something about that's not what happened with the H bomb on Saturday almost. night from Dan almost. Henderson. Almost never got married, Sean. Almost is always the bridesmaid. Mm. Yeah, you know, true. so let's be honest about almost for a moment N- here, right? N- She's been at that for years. Nearly never bulled a cow unless the bull's name was Nearly. <laughs> My God. <laughs> but yeah, he did. He did nearly get him. I suppose before we talk about the score, and let's talk about the fight itself. Um, I thought it was a good fight. I didn't expect it to be as good as this. Um it, it kind of, although it did kind of play out as we expected with Dan Henderson cocking that right hand, just waiting to let it go, waiting to let it go, waiting to get a chance to go forward and throw it. And he did that in, in the first round. He, uh, Bisping threw the left 
hook and it was the first real shot that Bisping kind of got lazy with that he threw the left hook oh, and he did move away you're reading he, all my stuff <laughs> he just he kind of got caught in the pocket which is the cardinal sin against Dan Henderson and he got countered well now Indo he does that he he does counter but usually how he gets you is he'll step forward and he'll take his stutter step but he's he's kind of front foot high grace you and then slam in the big overhand right but he he caught him well um and he he let him down, but Bisping just wouldn't give up. Bisping was unbelievable. He just he just wasn't losing that fight. Others, even him himself, maybe in other fights, he could have got caught up there. But he was like, "Fuck this! I'm getting up. I'm getting out of it," uh, and he did. Uh, the second round, Bisping Bisping was very actually in the first round. Bisping was very very wary. And can you blame him? I suppose about that big right hand, oh. and he was he was throwing ones and twos all the time, just just jabbing. Um, just jabbing a lot in the second round he kind of opened up a little bit got a little bit better uh but hindo caught him again in in the second round um and you know it was it was a tough round to score but because i think bisping was tuning up we get to score later on i suppose but it, he kind of carried that on then into the third fourth i think he he won those pretty clearly dan didn't land any big shots really and he was backing up the whole time i think bisping actually hurt him a couple of times as well um before the fifth round i think fifth round on first view and it was the closest uh but i think bisping definitely wanted to eat the more volume dan was winging a lot of shots but he missed apart all from maybe one big hard shot but yeah i, I thought it was a good fight i thought Dan looked better than he's he's looked in the last while. I think he he took shots a lot uh, very well. He defended very well because he had you know he had his hand cocked against his his uh, chin the whole night, and that obviously that helps him. It's where he can unload it, but it helps him be defensive as well because he isn't thrown that much to get countered with. And Bisping is the type type of guy who does that. He throws shots to get you thrown, and then he gets you opening up, and he lands with volume. But his volume was a lot less than it usually is this time because he was so wary of that power. But look, he still still did well. I thought his kicking game was very, very good. Yeah, Kicked well, a lot. Doubt. But um, yeah, what were your takes on him? It was just because I thought the first two rounds were actually the most interesting of the fight in terms of competitiveness or closeness. As yeah. you said correctly there, Bisbing pulled away in the third, fourth and kept that momentum going for a lot of the fifth as well. I thought he squeaked it as well. But in the first round, he was making him like exact way that he should have fought for 25 minutes and I think Bisbing actually got pulled out of his game plan and into a proper scrap here he he put his he put his card on the table like that could have ended badly for Bisbing he was elusive he was making himself hard to hit in the first he's very good active hand movement he's not actually throwing strikes but he's putting Henderson's timing off and that's what he needed to do he needed to disrupt Henderson's rhythm from the start so he couldn't time a big overhand right and he hadn't thrown anything in terms of hand movement or otherwise for the maybe 30 to 40 seconds he moved in with the left hook and this is the only thing that saved Bisbing Sean he's fantastic at getting out after he's thrown a strike and he was already on his way out when Henderson threw the overhand right and it connected with Bisbing but it it just reminded me of the Gunnar Nelson strike from years ago when people thought he was rocked because he went with the strike now, I'm not saying that Bisbing went with the strike and it didn't hurt him. It did hurt him. But if Bisbing hadn't have backed out from that position early in the first round, Dan Henderson not that tired, that shot would have finished Bisbing because it put him to the ground and it would have put him to the ground flush if he hadn't have been able to get out of there. 
Henderson, I thought, made terrible decision making on the ground. For some reason, tried to elbow Michael Bisbing to death. You know, from like a possum position. It was just if he had have really tried to solidify him, I actually thought he could have even incited a finish from there. Um, the one thing that I was hoping you'd kind of touch on, John Anik in the boot. What did you think of him this he weekend? Was, he wasn't in the boot. It was Who Goldie was it? and Goldie and uh, Stan. Stan. Yeah, Brian Stan in the boot. That's a man who's fighting for his job at the moment after Dominic Cruz's analysis the last couple of weeks. Yeah. I thought he was better than he's ever been. I I was watching my Patrick and we were kind of talking, so I didn't really listen to him that much, to be honest. But, yeah, he's very good. I always like him. I think he's good. No, I thought, I thought he was pretty good. And he was yeah. saying something really good in the second round. Bisbing kept continuing to throw the left hook. But he probably didn't remember what he had thrown that got him wobbled by Dan Henderson. So that should have been his corner man telling him not to throw that. And Bisbing just came out, like I was saying, put it all on the line in the second. He was able to match his kicks, uh, his low kicks up with good strikes to the body, as well as uh, the head kick that wobbled Henderson to begin with. And I thought that was maybe even en route. Like, if you're going to say Henderson could have won the first round because he dropped him, I think Bisbing hurt Dan Henderson far more in the second round than Henderson did in the first. Despite getting dropped at the end of the round. I, I, I what, see what you're saying. I think I, what Bisping was so. landing was harder. Do you yeah. know, And it was really, he winded Henderson. He took a lot out of Henderson in that second round. And you can tell that from the last 30 seconds when Henderson went to the ground, made absolutely zero attempt to strike or pass from the guard. You know, he was recovering there. He landed the good shot, but he was recovering to finish round two. I think Bisbing did hurt him. Yeah, I, I agree that he hurt him a lot. I don't think he hurt him as much as Hindo hurt him in the first round, but he definitely did hurt him. Like, watching it back last night, he definitely, he landed a lot. Like, if you're talking if we're talking damage, which is something that's coming into MMA scoring, which something is it's in MMA scoring at the moment, but not as damage. When you're talking about damage, it doesn't have to be a cut in his, your face. It doesn't have to be swelling. Like, damage is landing big, hard shots. Like, as you said, got Dan Henderson tired, got him kind of hurt a little bit. I, and I think Biscuit definitely did that in the second. But I think on your point that you said about if Bisping could have fought the way he did in the first for the whole fight, he could have made it easier fight. I saw a few people saying that. I've Maybe he could have done that. It would have been... It would have had to have been perfect. And I think the fact that he got clipped with that right hand in the first was a sign that it's very hard to be perfect because it just takes one shot against Dan Henderson. So, like, to do that again for four more rounds, I think it's it's tough. I think Dominic Cruz put it very well. He, he said when you're fighting um, a guy with a big right hand like that who just has the one weapon, you need to take that away by putting volume on him. So... And I think that's exactly what Bisping did when it came, maybe not in the, he did in the second, but more so in the third and fourth. Um, because... The we, weirdest we, flying knees in UFC history, yeah, you mean, we, from Michael Bisping. No, with Dan Henderson, right? It, it's grand, If you get him, if you give him room, if you stand in the pocket, even if, you, if you're jabbing him up, if you're beating him, he always has a chance to uncork that right now. You could step away and miss it, but it just takes one second for him to to land it, right? But if you're backing him up, if you're, you know, if you're not just jabbing him and then pulling away, if you're jabbing him, jabbing him, jabbing him, following him around, you've 
he has less of a chance to uncork it. Now he might uncork a counter, but you're you're going to be able to see that counter coming if you're throwing so many strikes and he has to kind of fight his way out of it because he's going to have to to jab and throw it as you know as a kind of a one two or throwing a big combination uh, if he's fighting out from you pushing him back whereas if he's going forward he just has to like throw his little front leg kick and then wing it or just wing it from nowhere like he did in the uh was it this the first one or no the second one like the second one bisping as you said he had him a little bit hurt and i, I like i i was roaring the television he's gonna hit him he's gonna hit him he's gonna hit him because bisping was walking forward hands yeah. down wasn't throwing enough kicks the and, body everything he wanted yeah, like. and he just unleashed it but i think bisping showed in the third and fourth that pushing him back Using volume is the best way to beat someone like that with with power. Um, like well, not all people with power, but Dan Henderson because that's really, you know, that's that's all he had really. But um, I suppose we can talk about scoring. How did you score? Um, I would give Henderson the first round. Yeah, was it to ten eight or ten nine? Um, if if I give that a ten eight, but scored the other rounds for Bisbing edging them, does that mean that ends up with what forty eight forty seven? Uh, it ends up a uh, which are you giving Bisping the second? Yeah, or, uh, I would give Bisping yeah. the second because of Didn't what he Bisping had done runs. up to the drop. Or do you know? I like if if there was any way. This is my take with scoring. If you could do that second round a draw, just because Bisping landed good shots, but Henderson dropped them. Yeah, you know, that would be an ideal world for me. Yeah, but i i would have I would have argued that you first time I thought maybe Henderson could have done enough, like you said, in the fifth round. But I would have been okay with 3-2 to Bisbing. You know, like, just not to complicate it with 10-8s. I'd have gone second, third, and fourth were clearly Bisbings. Uh, The second is the one that's up in the air. And then you could also argue that the fifth was Bisbings too. So I would have no problem if those scorecards had said 4-1 to Michael Bisbing, pretty much. I I don't think it was a screw job in any way, shape, or form that people were making it out to be. Like, that was just... Definitely Ridiculous. Not. I'm posting a picture of Michael Bisbing's face, a professional mixed martial artist that's been in, what, 30-plus fights? Yeah. Definitely 30-plus fights. Face like, covered in scar tissue. Do you know, these guys cut up easy. Do you know what I mean? But Michael, all that happened from one punch in the first yeah, round. Yeah, exactly. Like, that's like, the he thing. could have dominated him for four rounds and won the fight and there'd be no talk about it. Like, it's just that's just stupid talk about his face like a lot of people say that it's like why why like just not ridiculous uh for me the first round could have been a 10-8 but why i didn't give it a 10-8 was because when he dropped him and when he was laying those elbows bisping was still fighting like he wasn't i don't think it was near to being finished there he was fighting getting out he was trying to he was trying to pull him into his guard and then the second he got uh, an inch of space he got straight out so I don't think, okay, he was near to be finished because he was knocked down and all, but I think we kind of got, if you got a little carried away with it a little bit, yeah, he was he was close to be finished. But I don't think, I actually don't, like he didn't even get a warning by the ref, did he, to move or anything like that. I don't think he did. Plus the fact that Bisping had been winning the round before that. Now, for Bisping, say it was 10-8, 10-9, sorry, 10-9 to Bisping up until the time Dan Henderson uncorked that. So I think the fact that you move it to, okay, you move it from 10-9 Bisping to 10-10, even around to 10-9 to Dan Henderson. I think that's enough for that one big shot. Um, like you're taking the round away from Bisping after he'd won it and then you're giving it to Dan Henderson as well. I think that's enough. Now, if Henderson had got him down, had got into a mount and started elbowing him and like cut up his face even more than it was, I was bleeding all over and the referee came in, 
time time was up. I think then it would have been a dead end. But I I don't I think the fact that Bisping got up and he was fighting back by the end of the round was a huge thing too. I yeah. think that made it a ten nine. In the second round, listen, the fact that one big shot means a lot. It really does. And Bisping was dominating that round even more than he was dominating the first. And that was, there's no, that's why people, you know, that's why there's no chance of a 10-8 in the second round to to Henderson. Uh, the fact as well, he wasn't in as much danger after he got knocked down as he was in the first. Um, but yeah, I, I, like, I, I could have given that a 10-9 to Bisping, but I, I didn't. I give to Henderson as well 10-9. I give the first round to 10-9 to him. The third and fourth, I think we all, everyone agrees they were they were bispings, and the fifth, the fifth was a weird round because both guys came out trying to finish, and they landed heavy shot. Well, Dan Henderson actually didn't land that many heavy shots. He landed, I think, one maybe two heavy shots, but Bisping was landing a lot more than I had thought watching it live. You know, sometimes it's difficult to watch it live. Maybe are you just you're kind of getting caught up and oh who's going to win this who's going to take it like you they need a big moment to take this and I think even with that I think Bisping with that big uh, knee to the head in like the last eight or nine seconds I think that won him the round regardless or Dan Henderson's front row yeah but what yeah that missed but watching it back Bisping definitely landed more strikes cleaner strikes Henderson was winging and missing a lot and I think I think Bisping definitely won that last round hmm Sean Sheen just should judge MMA fights from now on, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, I just like watching them. <laughs> That's pretty much it. Yeah. What do you think? Um, let's talk about the future for both guys. Dan Henderson, obviously. I uh, see him fighting Bellator now in about 18 months' time. Do you, do you think so? I was thinking, has anyone actually retired from MMA? I was thinking Kyle Binder, but who else? Randy like, Couture. Yeah, I suppose, yeah. But Randy's, like, they're still talking about Randy coming back for Bellator and stuff. Like Ken Shamrock, no, he came back. Uh, Ice Crazy, he came back. Like literally, the people who were fighting in UFC one are still not retired. Like this is, uh, I don't know. I would be surprised, very surprised, if we didn't see that Henderson fight again. To be honest, no, I, just, I think I, he's done. I, I can't think he's buy an it. old man that just wants to drink beer now. Like he's he's the Neil Siri of the US like he won't spend another day in the gym after his retirement <laughs> Dan, so? oh stop Dan Henderson's gonna balloon up now massively like that man is loaded he has nothing else to do do you know let it like that it, maybe out of boredom he will come back to fight yeah. you know I honestly I, I, I could see him maybe fighting again in a couple of years time somewhere for obscene money against Fedor at heavyweight but no, I think I'm okay. I'm, I actually think this could be a legitimate retirement, Sean. Maybe. I hope it is, but I have, I have my doubts. What do you think his legacy is? That he, What legacy does he leave? I, for me, I think it's... I think his legacy is, is a kind of a Ryan Giggs legacy in that it's a longevity more than excellence. Yeah. Now, he was an excellent fighter, but I think it's the longevity that people remember, kind of like Randy Couture, although Randy Couture got the UFC belts and stuff, but I think he was... You know, they have in the uh, in the UFC Hall of Fame, they have like the Pioneers thing, and they have the real Hall of Fame. I think he's more on the Pioneer side, although he did come in like... When he got to the UFC, he never, obviously, he never won the belt. He fought for the belt, what was it, two, three times. Um, 
and and he could have fought John Jones as well, which luckily that didn't happen. But he's you know his last few years weren't the, aren't the best. But I think we kind of forget about that because how how good he was before. You know, big guys like Shogun beat Fedor, that Shogun fight, like one of the best fights ever. Beat Bisping before, beat Vanderlei, beat Vitor. You know, some great great wins now. When I say he should be in the Pioneers Hall of Fame, I think he could be in both of them, but I think he's more of a pioneer and that's where he was, you know, his greatness came around, you know, around the turn of the century there, or the turn of the millennium or whatever you want to call it. I think that's what Dan Anderson will be remembered for when, you know, when people look back maybe in five or ten years or whatever in his career of, you know, how he held two belts at the one time was the first one to ever do it. Uh and how he beat Fedor and how that, that Shogun fight especially. So a lot of people, um, I don't know if it was in the thing I did with Jordan Breen last week or in his article for Severe, but people look at Henderson's career differently just because he gets a pass for so many things. You know, this is a guy whose career could have gone massively different if some of the decisions earlier on in his career went the other way. Do you know the ones that he listed off off the top of his head were UFC 17, the semi-final and the final. It was a ropey enough decision in the semi and then a split decision win in the final. A split decision win over Nogueira um, like in the three-man tournament or in the one-night tournament he did in, uh, what was it called? In, is it in Japan? Rings in 1999. My memory doesn't go back that far. The what? <laughs> My my memory doesn't go back that far. Mine mine doesn't either. It's only because I had read it or consumed it in the last week brain, that I yeah. still remember. It's like like it's just it's in your head, sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. So he is gonna like go down in history, but I think maybe his his later UFC run is just gonna ruin it for him in all all ways. Like do you know what I mean? So many losses in the last couple of years, like a ridiculous amount. He beat Shogun in that absolutely epic fight. Yeah. Put Tim Boach out clean and then got a lovely fucking mental elbow on Hector Lombard. That's it. Yeah. Do you know? Like realistically, like Dan Henderson could have retired as one of the greatest fighters ever after he knocked Fedor out. Do you know? And then there would have yeah. been no question about it. But unfortunately... He just went down. Like, he had only lost eight times when he had beaten Fedor. He he finishes up his career with 32 and 15. Do you know? Dan Henderson is going to go down as one, like, as a notable star. But I think you hit the name on the nail on the head there. He's going down as Ryan Giggs as opposed to going down as Eric Cantona. Yeah. Do you know? He could have went down out as Eric Cantona and bowed out early and done the right thing. That's a good comparison, I think. But yeah. instead, it's like, Ah, oh, sure. He's just chasing the 20 now at this stage. Do you know what I mean? Gigs could have been done years before he was. Do you know? But I digress. I think as well, a big thing about Henderson is he kind of came through the TRT era cleaner than a lot of guys did. If you know what I mean? Like people kind of don't look at him the same way they look at Vitor or who else? Well, I don't know. Other guys that won't come to me at the moment, especially Vitor. Like, um, I think people were like he was very up upfront and forthright about it, even though it was still, you know, it still maybe wasn't the the best thing to be doing or whatever. But I think that's that's definitely a talk of my. But yeah, I think those sort of things. It was it was in the era, and I think people will 
people will look back on that era as something that was kind of a black spot in MMA, but I don't think they'll hold it against guys, maybe with Dan Henderson, especially uh, the way they hold it against Vitor, maybe. But yeah, I think he's a, he's definitely a legend of the sport, and like he's put on some excellent fights. Like you, you okay? Fair enough. You said he could have. Um, he could have retired after the Fedor fight, but then we never would have had the epic Shogun fight. We wouldn't have had like the epic knockout of Tim Boch and and uh, Hector Lombard. Even the fights that he lost, like that Vitor fight, was exciting. I know he got knocked out quick, but uh, and the Bisping fight was a great fight as well. So look, even like it's a testament to his longevity how good he was. Uh, up and like okay, he wasn't great. I mean, late, but like he could have won the championship of the world last Saturday. Like, so fair play to him. I think I hope he goes out, and I hope he I hope he stays out, and I hope the UFC give him give him a job because, like, for a guy for the uh, for longe- longevity enough, I think he he deserves it. But Bisping as well, I think. Retire, yeah, Michael. Do it. <laughs> do it. You can gloat forever. Yeah, you said there that Henderson's last few fights have changed his his legacy. Kind of, I think the same goes for Bisping, but in the opposite way. Like Bisping's legacy was one of an also ran for a while. Not not so you know people not a journeyman, but I may maybe a guy who could have done it but never got there. But his last like his last three fights: Anderson Silva, Luke Rockhold, Dan Henderson, champion of the world. Like that's. That's changed Michael Bisping in everyone's mind, or at least it should. When you look back at his career, those like his five wins are on now, those three wins, they have transformed Michael Bisping. Like before that, like he lost to Luke Rocco, lost Tim Kennedy, lost to Peter Belfort, lost to uh, Chelsea, lost to Vanderlei, lost to Dan Henderson, all in big fights that could have got him towards the title. And he, like he lost all the big fights in his career. And then... You know that that one punch against Luke Rockhold, which came after the Anderson Silva fight. Now, okay, you can. It's not the same Anderson as, as he used to be, or whatever you can say that. Fair enough. But it's still it's still Anderson Silva, and he still beat Anderson Silva, and that's prime Luke Rockhold. He knocked out as well. You can call it a lucky punch. You can call it catching him cold. You can call Luke Rockhold not taking it seriously, but it still did it. It still did it. Still happened. It changed, and he's defended his belt now as well, so people can't say, you know, he's just one of these guys who picked up the belt and he lost it again. So I think that's that's definitely changed Bisping's legacy forever. Now, whether he'll hold on to the belt or not, I'm not too sure. Um, who do you think? Go on. What do you think about Bisping's legacy? This, this is the best thing about it, right? And yeah. it was Graham said it to me on the phone last week. Michael Bisping is the opposite of whatever you want to throw this stigma at, the opposite of USADA Chad Mendes, Michael Bisbing is flourishing in USADA. Do you know what I mean? He was telling the truth the whole time. Do you know what I mean? Being so close to title opportunity after title opportunity and losing to guys that went on to fail drug tests or be like, let me, let me pull it up here. Let me pull the record up. Vitor Belfort, head kick and punches. Chael Sonnen decisioned them in a fight that Bisbing probably won. won. Yeah. Wanderlei Silva beat him. Dan never, Henderson. Never failed the test, Wanderlei. Wanderlei oh, never failed the test. You're right. I don't think so anyway. No, I didn't. Ran away from one. Ran away from one. <laughs> no, uh, not did. <laughs> and then Dan Henderson knocked him out at UFC 100. You know, again, didn't fail a test, but was actively using TRT. Yeah. So I'm not saying, like, 
Michael Bisping has been so close so many times, lost to these guys, and has now flourished in an era where the sport is cleaner. Do you know what I mean? Beat an Anderson Silva who failed the drug test. Do you know, got redemption over Dan Henderson. Get, I wanted I wanted a perfect story tale, Sean. I wanted Vitor Belfort to find something that was still rumbling in his veins or wherever it was mm-hmm. and be able to just eat their Gegard Musasi nice yeah, and early. Man. Michael Bisbing gets an early win. The rest of the division is is tied up in contendership fights. Just remake it for December. Bisbing <laughs> versus Belfort. Redemption. Have Michael Bisbing live and exclusive on UFC Fight Pass chase down the TRT and drug users that beat him over his career Brilliant. and give them rematches. Money weight. Hold up the middleweight division. <laughs> Don't give it to any actual contenders and take the fights for redemption for Michael Visving. That's what you do. I uh, Yeah, that, that'd be fun. I think um, if you're, Romero wins, I think you give it to Romero next. Or if Romero loses and Jackare wins, you give it to Jackare. Um, or if Rockhold wins, you give it to Rockhold. I think Weidman is the last one to get it. To be honest, um, I, I, I best case scenario, I think is Joel Romero winning it. I think he deserves it more than anyone else. Uh, Jacare deserves it more than Romero. Romero beat Jacare. Don't care if Jacare <laughs> beats Rockhold, he's going to deserve it more than Romero beating. Weidman. I don't think so. I think Romero deserves it the most, to be honest. Uh, a lot of people are thought that was a contentious decision. Well, it was close, definitely, but I, I thought Romero won. But yeah, either one of them. I'd be happy with Jackery uh, getting it. But like Rockhold and Weidman both lost the title in their last fight, which is okay. They're both good fighters. They're both going to get back there. But I'd, I'd rather see a fresh face on, in there. I'd rather see, you know, I'd rather see. I think that Yoel Romero against Bisping fight's a good fight too. Um, but out of those four lads, do you think Bisping can beat any of them? Also, conveniently, just to try and prove your point right there, neglecting to mention that Jacques Ray actually beat Romero and it was a bullshit split decision. No, it wasn't. No, yes, it was. I was at it. Nah, you know, the eyes don't lie, Sean. Anyway, can Bisping beat any of them? No, absolutely not. That's nah, why Michael so Bisping needs to retire now. <laughs> he he is just imagine this he will have it over Luke Rockhold for the rest of his life that he knocked him out have it over Dan Henderson that he got retribution did it in Manchester peaked on his career mixed martial arts is your answer saying whoever retires in mixed martial arts Bisbing's loaded his family live in the States he's got a good job with Fox he will be straight into full time analyst work if he stops fighting Michael Bisbing can be the first guy in a long time, if not ever, instead of going out on a shield, instead of being taken out by a young up-and-comer, instead of just going out in a sad story, he can go out. And this is the thing that should appeal to him more than anything, Sean. He can gloat for the rest of his career. He can still tell Luke Rockhold to fuck you, I knocked you out. Believe you me, buddy. Believe you me, buddy. He, like, he can just, no hassle. Retire, Michael. Do it. I don't want to see him crumpled. Like, Joel Romero running through him. like, And I do think Romero's going to beat Weidman. Do you know what I mean? That is yeah, that is too. my call on it. I think so. And I think like there'll be chairs thrown into the cage. like, And Romero <laughs> won't know what's going on at all. But aside from that, he just really needs to... Like... Uh, 
Do you, do you see where I'm coming from, Sean? I do, a yeah, mixed but martial not, arts, not happen. No, it's not, because he can make more money and he believes that he can win. And fair enough, he should believe all of those things. But for the first time, like I said, maybe ever, a fighter has a chance to go out on a good note, on his story, on his terms. Do you know what I mean? George St. Pierre, he could have done it. It looks like he's coming back now. Will mm. it Will it end as well for George St. Pierre? Do you know, mm, that's right, a, we, we are coming into the era now, maybe, Sean, where when this is a multi-syndicated podcast in four years' time, we could say, did George St. Pierre's 2016 comeback ruin his legacy? Do you know, this is the yeah. time, Michael. Get out while you can. You can you're, he suffered a horrible injury to his eye. He's taken a good bit of visible damage in his last, in his last two fights. Yeah. Um, well, the Rockhold one, not so much, but has taken damage, especially against Henderson. He's getting dropped in fights. Now is the time. Write your own story, Michael. Don't be like everyone else. Don't do it, Mike. Drop then. Mike. What speaking, about... Um, oh, then, spe- on. Speaking of that, I suppose we could go seamlessly into it. The next four guys are tied up. If Michael Bisbing wants to somehow really fuck off the rest of the middleweight division, lie and say he's incredibly healthy, Gegard Musasi's ready, match the two of them up before Christmas, maybe under the uh, December 30th, under the Ronda Rousey card. Then, or then winner get whoever wins from that little four man tournament. You know, mash those two guys up, find the proper number one contender. Yeah. No, I don't think that's going to happen. I don't know. Welcome to Brawl Fighting. <laughs> I've heard that. Talking fights, mm. Brawl. Brawl Fighting. Brawl Fight Talk. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I wish I had it to be able to play it. Oh god! I, I think I have to um, on that, on that Gegard yeah. Musasi victory, he this morning came out saying, "Bisbing took five rounds with Henderson. I did this, whatever." Do you know? Like he's making a stake for himself. He said before the fight, a win over Vitor Belfort would do absolutely nothing for him in that division, and I think he's realised that. I think Gegard Musasi. This is a new Gegard Musasi. 2016 has been the social media vocal. Gegard Musasi, I believe. Yeah, he. I don't listen to much of that, to be honest, anymore. But he's fighting. Gegard, he's said, always been a good fighter. But You're always going to say his name like that. Why, how, how, how do you, you, you say it? No, you said it like in his accent there. Gegard. Gegard. Yeah. <laughs> but I've always liked his the way he's fought. And I think he has improved an awful lot. He, one thing, he's always been a good wrestler, but I think he started to use his wrestling more uh, to add to his striking. And I think that's that's you know it's kind of revolutionised his game a little bit, even though it was always there. But it's not just about having these things; it's how you use them. Um, although on Saturday night it was kind of he didn't need it too much. Okay, he he took him down a couple of times, but uh, Vitor Belfort is a shadow of his former self. He's Musasi just tuned him up. He, all he had to do was watch out for those two big shots Vitor had early, and that was that. Um, Look, there, there was there's much to talk about reading this fight. He, he tuned him up, landed a load of shots. It, it was really Vitor was just a punching bag, to be honest. Yeah. From Sassy, sad like, um, yeah, and he he could have finished him standing up. Vitor held on well. In fairness, he was game, um, and Kegard almost um, almost choked him out and won me an Xbox, but he didn't, unfortunately. And then he uh, he ground him on. Did you nearly get an Xbox? I had a double of Mirsad Bektic and Kegard Musasi both to win by submission. Yeah, and Gegard had him by the neck. He had the rear neck choke in sunk, and Vitor got out of it. Yeah, he did. That was the one thing I uh, I thought Gegard strikes against the cage when like 
that was a sad... When we're talking about sad things, Sean, a man who became a forevermore highlight reel with his brutal finish against Van de la Silva against the cage all of them years ago, nearly yeah. became that highlight reel himself. Musasi unloaded on Vitor, only for the fact that he was standing and the cage was behind him. He was still... Like, if that had happened in the centre of the cage, Vitor was hitting the ground and was getting finished. Mm-hmm. You know, he was just... Um, it was a lovely throw straight to mount from Musasi, if I remember correctly. There was a, it was a little bit of like Musasi wanted to finish with strikes, do you know. And I think if he had a chill for a second, he would have got it quicker. If he had solidified his position, he give Vitor too much of a chance to maybe give up his back. That's how the rear naked choke came in, um, and then from there he was able to give up his uh, he give he give mount back up, do you know. And I just thought. Musasi could have slowed the pace down and landed really hard damaging strikes. Instead, he wanted like the quick one, two, three, four, five strikes to finish it. Stands up, covered in blood over his face, hands out to the side. And it was as if he had just like, he was demonstrating what he had said before the fight. He's like, see, what does that do for me? Look how easy that was. Look how timid that man was. That's a shell of a man's former self. You know, and just, he's a great man. It was a great fight. I agree. Good performance from Gegard Musasi. Gegard. Gegard. Uh, yeah, it was. Um, let's have a l- talk about some, a couple of the other fights. Um, no, you better talk since you made me watch fucking all of them. You have I, to. You're I will. Like, I will is... instigate this, and you just tell me if I'm right. Okay, then, okay. We'll we'll flip the script. Okay. Jimmy Manawa looked like he made the Brilliant. worst decision of his mixed martial arts career. Starting off the fight, trying to grapple with OSP. He did quite well up against the cage, but when distance became more of an option for Ovin St. Preux, he was able to just wipe Manawa in that first round, grappling-wise, when it turned into wrestling. When it was like Manawa pressing him up against the cage, he did really well. But they're two different styles of grappling. I I don't think he tried to... I think he I think just kind of got caught up in it. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. like when when Brian Stan asked him afterwards, "Why did you grapple?" and he was like, "Uh, didn't really. I just it's MMA, and I got <laughs> it happened, you know." But yeah, shit happens. I thought he was phenomenal in the second round. Oh, brilliant! Completely different fighter than the one from the first round. Yeah. But then again, didn't really get to see much of the stand up. He did really well in terms of exploding and escaping from parts. But that's when OSP's advantage came in. He had such a good chain wrestling advantage. He was like, okay, he's just countered me. Now I need to go again. You know, there was no stopping yeah. OSP's wrestling. OSP tired massively because of the body shots that Manoa landed in the second. Manoa just, it was like Manoa hit him and kicked him and punched him just everywhere. Like left side of the head, yeah. left side of the body, left leg, trying right side of the leg, right side of the body, right side of the head. Smackdown style, Sean, yeah. trying to turn the whole body indicator red. In the top corner, yeah. you remember in fighting games. Yeah, he just he just fucked him up. That's exactly what I was thinking when I was watching it. Just a brilliant. I, I think if Manoa could always fight like that, he's one of the most dangerous fighters in the world. I think he's he's just a raw. He's all he's always been very very raw, and I don't know. Maybe it's I don't know where, where is he training. Maybe he needs to. You know, maybe, I don't know. Maybe he just needs a different look or something or. I don't know. He, 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 you <laughs> yeah, know, he, he's haircut. one of those. Guys, no, no. But I mean, like, 
a different like maybe he needs to go to Greg Jackson's for six months or something like that he's done those one maybe not Greg Jackson's because John Jones is there but he comes across to me as one of those guys that he he could be a great fighter but I think he just needs to put a little bit better like as you said in the first round with the, with the wrestling and stuff maybe he maybe he needs something that he'll improve in that facet of his game to push out or to find a way to you know he he had a guillotine in there which which was a good thing i think he went for the guillotine almost got it which is a good way of stopping people from wrestling against you because if you have a dangerous guillotine they're going to be a little bit wary about it which is good but i think he can add add more stuff i think maybe he is adding more stuff but um like we have to remember as well jimmy manawas he's pretty like he's fairly new the top level MMA, like he, okay, he got beaten by um by Gusty, and he got beaten by uh, Anthony Johnson, but like he, okay, he forty, he he went forty to know before that that Anthony Johnson fight or before the uh, Alexander Gustafsson fight, but like ten of them were outside of the UFC. He's like he's still pretty new. Ten only made his debut in two thousand eight, coming up at eight years now. He's coming up around his his prime now, but for a guy who you know he took his time outside of the UFC, he was fought and fighting in 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 England for a lot of time. Only five years in the UFC. I think you know. I think there's still a lot left in in the tank for him, and a lot of improvement left for him. And uh, I, I have big hopes for Jimmy Manoa. Oh, Sean Sheehan. Possibly. Whoa, dropping that knowledge. I really like it. Wikipedia has uh, some yoke, isn't it? The what? Wikipedia has some yoke. Oh, definitely. That's what you want. <laughs> yeah. Um, what? So yeah. Aside from that, Stefan Struve, Stefan Rousey, maybe whatever you want to say yourself. Six foot whatever man showing that he is a little bit of judo. I I would believe he could throw any heavyweight, you know, because he's just that has that advantage over them. It was uh, I was trying to find out the actual name of that throw because I think it's it's Uchigari. It's I don't think it was Sean. I have no idea what that even is. Okay, I think it was a a Harry Goshi. Oh yeah, it was a variant of a Harry Goshi because Harry Goshi is the leg on the outside, but he put it on the inside. And I took a video of it and sent it to Sebastian earlier on, and he didn't didn't text me back. Bring up Andy Ryan there, he's still yet. And uh, what was I going to say? Oh yeah, but I I just wanted to I just wanted to because I had it written down like in little like shorthand notes, and just so you want to know what I had written down was ended up in reverse cowgirl mount position because he landed on top of him really weird. Um, then we saw. Struve sat sat back while he was in turtle and it looks like he was going for a guillotine this is what I like so much about the Dars Struve threatened the guillotine with his left arm and used that to make how do you pronounce Daniel no we'll call him Daniel because I'm not even going to try to say his last name Um, it made him move to the left as Struve was feeding his arm through so it's yeah. kind of like, okay, I'm positioning myself as if I'm going to sit back from a guillotine, so you're going to start moving. But as you start moving, I'm actually switching for the dars. And then we thought, okay, Daniel's on his way out here. Use the cage to walk around. The devil is in the details on that one, Sean, because Struve made an absolutely brilliant adjustment. He went with it. You know, you can tell that's something that he hits a lot or he drills a lot. Having such long arms like that, dars, chokes, guillotines, anacondas are going to be Stefan Struve's bread and butter. He dropped his left shoulder to the ground, like from the Darce position, and I'd love to see if he went up onto his toes as well and just put a little bit more pressure down because that went on instantly. You saw once he dropped the shoulder, he was already tapping. 
you know that that was a beautiful Darce joke. Fine, yeah, Stephen Struve. I think that's where Stephen Struve is at his best, taking guys down and using his long limbs. Uh, he's just I don't know. His striking to me is just always clueless <laughs> because he can't jab for a guy who's seven foot tall to not throw a jab. Like that's ludicrous you're just wasting your height like you know man came in so many times and hit him with big overhands in um he fucking like he nearly knocked him out a couple of times but um <sighs> i was gonna say um <laughs> you're putting me off here with your fucking what? shit uh <laughs> i thought omelanza could win this fight because of his wrestling because of his ability to take him down but i think the fact that struve did so well when i went to the ground kind of stopped that from happening quickly and as i said those overhands uh nearly caught him but it was a good display from struve it was it was actually impressive it was one of the best displays of his career i think because omelanza i think is actually a pretty good fighter but yeah i just don't think struve will ever get to the top level okay um but best think, impressive okay, we'll, best performance of the night I think you're going to say from who Mirsad Bektic yes uh, maybe he was up there I, he hits so clean it's just phenomenal I, I need to watch the fight again but watching it live is like my god he just hits so clean like hard. for someone for someone who's been off I think he's 17 months out of the cage with an ACL to look that good and that crisp coming back just tells you what, how good of a, a fighter is and he got the submission as well over Russell Dawn okay Russell Dawn came in on short notice going up it, it's maybe not the best um, you know look at what Mirsad Bektic is but I think he's just a phenomenal phenomenal fighter um, and it, like it shows you as well if you want to know how tough Paul Redmond is to go cut about fucking 50 pounds away <laughs> I think it was actually 33 like it was uh, or something like that and what was it on, on 10 days 2 weeks now or something like that and come in against Mirsad Bektic and go three rounds with him that that's how tough you 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 know people if you want to know how tough Paul Redmond is, but I think Bektic, he's he is championship quality without a shadow of a doubt. I think I'd love to see him against Duhochai or against Yair Rodriguez because I think he'd beat both of them at a canter. I think he's a tremendous fighter. Canter, I definitely yeah. agree with you. Unreal performance, and I would love to see more from his hands. It seemed like he just wanted to go out to see if he could do it. And then it was like, okay, yeah, this is actually grand. And yeah. Nothing to worry about over the last year or two. My hands have gotten infinitely better. Let's just get this out of the way and choke this boy out to start wrestling. And I'm like, yeah. great performance. Um, Sean, a, a phrase that I think we're going to be coining on the podcast from now on, it's called Blueprint Picket. It takes on from Blueprint Pettis. It's finally there. The way to beat Bra- Brad Pickett is now a thing. Punch him um, in the face. Just walk him down and punch him he can't take it anymore a perfectly timed spinning back elbow into the straight right or straight left that dropped him beautiful like absolutely time to perfection and then I know you know what I'm going to say here grappling porn brilliant mounted triangle setup. thought he could have finished it from there he didn't need to roll but I think Pickett kind of gave a bit of movement anyway so he thought okay I'm going to switch for the arm Pickett stepped over to try and defend it but this is the, what caused Pickett here. When he was stepping over like that, Sean, his posture, his neck should have been like looking up. He, yeah. he should have known he was coming back into that open guard position, a triangle position. Didn't matter. Alcan- Alcantara, am I saying that yeah. right? Alcantara right. was just too, too, uh, too advanced. You know, that was a probably one of the best grappling exchanges in mixed martial arts I've seen in the last couple of months, if not this year alone. It was just bang, 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 bang. 
And that's exactly how, when you're training chain submissions, you know, okay, he defends from here, I lock this on. He defends that, I switch it to this. That's that's what you should show guys. A perfect example of, of what chaining submissions are. He came up in poor posture. He was able to get the triangle. He tried the same thing, but Alcantara was able to lock the triangle up even tighter. And he didn't even have to make an angle. He didn't even have to move to the side. The triangle was on that bad. The arm was cleared enough. Like, that was Brad Pickett done. I thought Brad Pickett would have went down out cold, to be honest. That's what I was yeah. expecting. What's that? Uh, what's that quote? Quote? Quote from uh, Healy or Gracie. It's like, when he does this, you do that. And when he does that, you do this, except quicker or something. Or something like that. You know, that, that quote. Uh, but it's a very BJJ thing. But... I think that's that's very appropriate for what uh, Alcantara did. He was just on a step ahead of Brad Pickett all the time. I think the transition from the armbar in, into the triangle, into the inverted triangle, was absolutely phenomenal. I thought beautiful, and once he got in, he wasn't getting out. I think Alcantara, he's a bit like Vitor Belfort in that if you get through the first round with him, you're probably going to win, but. That first round is tough to get through because he's he's very good, very explosive, very he'll just go for everything. So very impressive. Um, Mike Perry, similar thing. I think um, Leon Edwards as well. Good good displays out of both of them. I think um, Mark Goddard came out and said he he stopped that fight a little bit late. He definitely did. Danny Roberts took two or three shots too much. Uh, Leon Edwards, f- uh, phenomenal phenomenal display yeah. against Albert. We were worried about Very that. Impressed. Yeah, I thought I thought Tuman. I've had that, but Edwards showed me things that I didn't think he had. Like his wrestling was phenomenal. Tuman, that's his. You know, you look at an Englishman against a Russian, you think, oh, the Englishman's not gonna, probably not going to take him down and dominate him on the ground. But that's exactly what I did. Tumanov is, as uh, someone pointed out on, on Twitter, he's a master of boxing, but he's definitely not a master of wrestling. So I don't think that's the strongest part of his game. Did but... you just see Petey's photo? <laughs> no, I didn't. Was a... oh, look at that. It's an um... Uchimata, Sean. Sebastian mm-hmm. texts me back. Stefan Struth hit an Uchimata. Sorry, continue. Nice. <laughs> okay, uh, Marty Casey, what do you think about him? Oh, Jesus Pizza. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's our picture for podcast questions next week anyway. Yeah. Um, on the Edwards thing, Sean, very quickly, good determination from him. He was on his way maybe to losing that fight 2-1 because Tumanov did get a little bit of, I thought, got better of him in the stand-up. You know, grappling heavy first round, but it wasn't until in the third round when he started to change the tone. You know, Tumanov, I thought, was winning that fight on the feet up until that point, And it was just perfect, uh, perfect transit, like, perfect distraction from Edwards going hard on the second hook to try to get back control when he slipped the, slipped the arm under. Rear naked choke was always going to get the tap there. Um, and I just, I'm a big fan of back takes. Now, Mark Diacchese, that's a man, when I was watching the fight, I compared it to... Later on, I made a comparison between that in my head, between that, him, Manoa, and the Gegard fight. There was just, like, if you look at three examples of a style away, Gegard went full whack to try and get the finish. Manoa knew he was hurt, so chose the left hook after hurting him with the overhand right. But Diakese was like a child who had just eaten a bag of sugar and a can of Coke and was having the time of his life. He looked so comfortable in there. He was throwing wild shots, you know, just trying to get the finish. 
timing maybe a little bit off on some of them. But when he found that rhythm and got comfortable, you know, he was just, he didn't care he was in a bad position. You know, if I could compare that for the last time in this podcast in any way to a grappling scenario, he's Gordon Ryan, Sean. He doesn't care about points. He doesn't care about giving up bad positions because he knows when he gets to his position, he's going to finish. You know, he had no problem being on the ground there because as soon as he got up, he was able to pick his opponent up over his head and drop him on his fucking back. You know, it was a great performance, I thought, from Diakese. Aside from the fact that Sean Sheehan, ladies and gentlemen, made us both richer during the week by pointing out the great price to win by a KO in the fight. Yeah. I thought his I thought his hands just looked so good in the second. Do you know? And it, there was times but like I was saying about his timing or maybe some shots missing. But once he like it just was a night it was a perfect debut, I think, for him. Do you know? It, if Conor McGregor had had that debut in the UFC, people would have been a little bit happier because you wouldn't have had to go through the oh, what's he gonna do when he faces a grappler question. Do you know that sort of way? It's like, yeah, he was in a bad position, but he stayed calm, didn't give up any damage. Worked his way out of it, and then oh my god, look at these this guy's hands. Yeah, I think it was a little bit of um, uh, what was the word I used? It was just a, it was a, not a slow start, but a kind of a, a weary, uh, you know, a nervy start. That was it. Uh, he came out and he tried to land that big KO early, and it didn't work for him. But give him credit for that; he went out and tried it. Uh, but the first round didn't go too well. In the second round, I thought there's a maturity sometimes in MMA that you need that. He hit him with a couple of hard shots and the knockout didn't come. And for a guy who's knocked two guys out in his last two fights in 60 seconds combined, maybe a little bit of panic could have set in, but I think it didn't with him. And it, like there wasn't even, uh, you know, there wasn't even a thought of panic setting in. And I thought that was the most impressive thing about his display. I thought he just kind of pieced him up, then took him apart piece by piece. And in the second round, I was like, oh, maybe he's not going to kill him. Maybe, you know, maybe this is going to be a decision. It looked like it was going that way, but he, he just upped the pace and he started to hit him and he hit him and he hit him and he hurt him. And uh, the finish came well then in the end after he upped the pace. But I thought it very, very impressive. And I think he has... I think there's a question later on about his ceiling. I suppose we get to him, but I think he has a high ceiling. You know, some some people, you know, we we often get asked the question about different people, and I say top ten, top five, maybe. With him, it's hard to know because what he's only twenty three, what ten and all now is it first fight in the UFC? He could literally do anything, go anywhere. I think he's that he's that good. Now you mind, you know. He could lose five fights in a row. No, after I said that, you never know. But he, for me, for me, he's. If he only got the top ten, it'd be surprised to be honest. I think he's that good. I think he's a very, very good fighter, and I think they should take a take a little bit slow with him. There's no need to rush him. Only twenty three. Um, get him on, the, get him on that Belfast card, yeah. Norman Park is out of his fight with Decky Dalton. Oh really? How come? Yeah, he's had to pull out. Uh, doesn't say due to injury here, but I would suspect it's from the last fight and it yeah. came like 28 days later. He was given a 48-day ban from safe MMA after his last bout in ACB in Scotland. Um, could he not go to the doctor and get... His face didn't look great after that, in fairness. You know, the decision looks, from yeah, Declan it, Kenna and Cage Legacy because they're like, they're trying to go within safe MMA and put on a proper show in Ireland, yeah. so... 
That's uh, the I, right yeah, decision. Yeah, I agree, yeah. To say that uh, an exciting opponent will be announced for Decky Dalton later on today. Really? So you go, go fighting him, yeah? Uh, yeah, I'd like to reveal exclusively that it will be me. No, there was like there was a couple of pullouts on that on that card. I feel sorry for um Sean, are we done with that UFC card? Can I just yeah, make one here. one quick point here before we go? go? On, yeah. You know Paddy McGee? No. Uh guy who trains at a Team Torres and Yuri went to the Irish where I think you watched it. You did watch his fight. You Possibly, definitely did. Yeah, maybe, yeah. His name's Pythagoras. That's his nickname. Oh, yes, I do. Because of triangles. Um, he was scheduled to fight Nathan Kenna in a fight that I thought would have been a great fight. The guys were uh, back and forth. Nathan is a personality in himself. He was out at TEF shadow boxing on the stage during other guys' fights. Like, do you know what I mean? Just entertaining. The, the fight was set, blah, 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 all of this talk. And then gets pulled, pulled from the fight, do you know? And this is more of my issue with Irish MMA as a whole. Be- maybe because I was able to, do you know, hear it m- more directly. But he apparently he wasn't training, and his coach Declan and his brother Declan did the right thing, and he pulled him from the fight. Do you know what I mean? And I think that's a really hard thing for fighters to do at the moment, for coaches to do at the moment. You know, and there are too many guys that are going in to fight in a cage in Ireland underprepared. And I'm not saying whether they weren't training or maybe weren't good enough to be fighting, but I like fair enough. Paddy was disappointed that the fight never got to happen. But I actually think it's a. In your opinion, am I right in saying that he like it's hard for a coach to do that? I'd say to pull someone out of a fight, especially if you're his brother. But it's good to see those sort of things being done, and that's why I'm not. I'm not annoyed at this. Oh, Norman Park could have gone to a doctor and fought Decky Dalton. Yeah, he's trying to do everything the right way and by the book and how it should be, and he's doing it, and it stands to him. And I really hope this event in Drogheda goes well now at this stage. I'm hoping for an exciting Decky Dalton fight in the main event. Franz Malambo was fighting uh, Ben Benjamin Aaron Davis. We oh, forgot really? to mention that last week. Yeah, I was annoyed I didn't mention that in the podcast. So I just wanted to kind of tie it up. Tie it up anyway. Potty's got an opponent. Hopefully Nathan can get back in the gym and is back training or whatever and uh, that fight can be matched again in the future. Yeah. So there you go. Here, I have a question for you. Go for it. Hit me with your question. Do you hear uh, Eddie, Eddie Bravo is doing yes. a, a Jits with Hits thing? Jits with Hits. The Jeez, Sam McNally special. I'm Combat not sure about jiu-jitsu. it. What do you think about it? Eddie Bravo did this before, Sean. Oh, did he? flopped in 2012. Yeah, Combat oh. Jiu-Jitsu. Now, here's how it gets interesting. He's built up a good name and reputation of EBI. A lot okay. of guys looking to do it. Those guys that now won't do it are automatically going to become bitches. Do you know? Because <laughs> like, oh, well, you do it before. You're so confident in your, like, you think your boy King Ryan's going to still be in there, Sean? Of course he is. He'll throw slaps with the best of them. Legend. Do you know? No problem. If it's only open hand palm slaps. Yeah, it's pancreas. Do you know what I mean? Someone go for privates with bass rooting. Leg locks and palm strikes. That's all you need. Learn how to throw a fist and release it into an open hand palm at the last second. Do you know? That's what you're going to see now next year in EBI. I think it'll be interesting. I think it'll be good. And it's Eddie Bravo's way. He had already found the most aesthetically pleasing way to get people to watch jiu-jitsu. Do you know? The yeah. only chance that maybe it had of getting on TV or any sort of network. It's on Fight Pass now. Perfect. Introduce the open hand strikes and you may develop something even more exciting. Yeah. I'm intrigued by it. You know what else I'm intrigued by? What? Just before we get to the questions, we have a couple more things. Um, Cage Wires. Unplugged, I believe it's called. 
Oh, did th- you hear about this? There's a live video at the moment as well, by the way, of McGregor's Nevada Athletic Commission hearing. Oh, yes. So yeah, maybe right. you should listen to it just in case. Anyway. Nah, they won't be doing much of that. Um, but did, did you hear about the skaters unplugged? They're going to have Paddy Pimblet and um, Paddy Pimblet fighting someone and Chris Fishgall fighting someone, I believe. What's Fishgall? I think Fishgall is, yeah. Um, in the lead-in to UFC 205 in Madison Square Garden. And it's going to be on in the BT Sport uh, studio in front of a select group of people. What they need is low lighting. Oh, yeah. You know, kind of something like that. I, I think it could Can be a good idea. every crowd member talking. Yeah. I suppose we could link that into maybe the guy who Paddy Pimblett could be fighting or maybe has been offered the fight, Brendan Lochnane. Yeah. Pete Carroll did a piece on him and explained why. I, I'd like to just hear your, here's what I'm, I, I'll say when I'm putting down, okay? I think if you, there's a couple of factors involved in there. Lochnane is signed with Tanko Fighting Championship, who I believe Tanko are also his management. And you know what, Bama, no? No. Isn't he the, is he a Bama champion, no? Uh, no. I don't think so. Oh, maybe not. Oh, yeah, he sure. He fought Dukenwa, yeah. but that was for, that was at 145. I don't know if Lochnane is the 145 champion in Bama. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I think maybe it's vacated yeah. now because Lochnane is signed with Tanko. Dukenois bought as he did. I don't know. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Go on. Oh yeah, Dukenois would have taken both then yeah. by by beating Lochnane. But as far as I know now, Lochnane is signed with Tanko, and apparently owns a stake in the company as well. I think that was yeah. on the Sprawl MMA. Um, had an article up about it um, when Brendan Lochnane was talking about the Pimblet fight. If Brendan Lochnane beat Paddy Pimblet on such a stage that it's going to be leading into UFC 205, he would then have to defend the title three times in a year and sign with Cage Warriors. If you want to get picked up by the UFC and signed by the UFC, Cage Warriors and Bama are the two places that you need to be. Brendan Lochnane, I'd imagine, is getting a great deal for fighting on Tanko because he's helping out someone who's close to him. But fighting on Tanko and being signed exclusively to Tanko, in my opinion, is not what's going to get Brendan Lochnane into the UFC. Now, I agree. If it's a fight that people want to see, why not just do it at 155 for no title? And Cage Warriors don't seem to be budging on that at all. And I think if Pimblet lost, then that's... You know, they need to have their backup plan. You know, they need to have that. Okay, if Pimblet loses, we have this guy on a deal and he's going to be defending the belt. Do you know? And then, fair enough, that can happen. But what they don't want is someone to come in and then walk out after beating the prized goose in Paddy yeah. Pimblet. So you can see where the negotiations are maybe ha- like holding up this fight. What's your take on that? You can see it from both people's um, points of view. If I was a fighter like Brendan Lachnan, I wouldn't want to sign a multi-fight deal. Now, uh, okay, in his position, maybe he's close to signing with the UFC or whatever. Maybe he's a couple of fights away from me. He was there once, but getting back. And from Graham Boylan's point of view, uh, at uh, Cage Warriors, you don't want someone fighting the belt, fighting for the belt, then winning it, and then going away and Going to the UFC or going not going to the UFC. If you're going to the UFC, be okay, but going back to going back to Bama or whoever, Tanko, whoever. Um, so you can see it for from both sides of you, and I think both guys are right. You know, you know, in in their points of view. So I don't know. Maybe the Cheddar makes it better if he gets paid enough money. He might he might do it. And um, 
but I don't know. Yeah, it, it's a good fight. People, I don't know. I'm not that excited about the fight, to be honest. It's it's a good fight, good domestic fight. I think uh, I think they're both very good fighters. Um, but yeah, there's other fights out there. Like I, uh, I don't. I think Paddy Pimblet is no no offense to Brendan Lachlan or anything, but I think Paddy Pimblet is the star. And it's Paddy Pimblet against whoever he's fighting, to be honest. Yeah. And you know, it, I'm not too bothered if that fight doesn't happen. To be honest, there's plenty plenty more guys out there. I think a lot of people might just want to see it before it goes on. Do you know what I mean? Before Pimblet goes on to the UFC, more than anything, yeah. they're they're talking about it being the one case of uh, domestic uh, UK MMA super fight, and this is the time to capitalize on it. Do you know who I'd like to see Pimblet fight? Who? Brian Moore. Any particular reason? No, I like Brian Moore. I'd like to see him fight Pimblet. I think that'd be a good fight. Sean Jean makes it happen. Good grappler, good wrestler, good striker. Be the toughest fight of Pimblet's career by a mile. But uh, Brian Moore's fighting uh, 155 a lot. He, he has fought at 145,000, hasn't he? Um, I think he made one. I think he fights at 145, does he not? Does he? I know he, he made 135 before, but I think oh, 45. Did he? Yeah, he's fought at 35 oh, before. Oh, I might have mixed up. So, oh, yeah, yeah perfect, That's so. when he was at his worst. Well, the worst sort of cut from, but I yeah. believe 145 is much, much healthier than him. All right. Okay. Perfect. So, yeah. Make it happen. Graham Boylan. Give me 10% of that. There I you met go. it. There you go. <laughs> Sean Sheehan. There we go. Yeah. Unbelievable. Any, um, before we get any, to the any questions. Any other things before questions, because I don't have the running order in front yeah. of me. Yeah. The Manila fight. Oh, yes. Manila. A night was cancelled, which, okay, you know, there isn't much to talk about in that. Apart from, okay, BJPN pulled out injured and there was fuck all else in that card. Haraguchi against Bagatinov was the second best fight in that card and you can't really have that headlining it. Uh, there's also the issue of, it, it kind of came out that um, they were going to drug test not just the fighters but the staff and everyone and there was talks about passports being taken away if they failed test. Now, people have said that's not true, that won't happen but the fact of the matter is, in the Philippines, over the last couple of months, and my sister and I is from the Philippines, I've been hearing about this before the UFC, that there's a new president and there's a big war on drugs going on where, like, uh, if you're caught with drugs, if you're caught selling drugs, you're, you know, you're arrested and people have been, you know, hurt and killed and everything. And this, you know, the president is kind of, he's letting not, not so much letting it happen, but he's kind of maybe facilitating it a little bit. Or, you know, there's... You know, it's not a great situation there at the moment, and I think it's you know it's going to take a while to fix. So going there in that political climate, and they're all getting being forced to take drug tests. I don't know is that the best situation either. And now some people have said that's why they're not going because of the drug tests, and other people have said oh it's BJP and they don't. Whichever, which uh, you know, which came first, the chicken or the egg kind of a job. I think it probably is here, um, and it, it doesn't really matter. But I think it's probably the best for everyone involved. Um, that apart from maybe the fighters who had travelled and stuff and who are not going to get paid uh, that this event is is cancelled it wasn't a great one and with that situation hanging over people's heads I, I think it's uh, better for to just leave it there you go well you'd yes. like to think that your judges aren't doing coke do you know but we don't want the drug test to prove us wrong no but like even if fucking you know, a cut man or something. Sean you know Shelby, I mean? Sean Shelby had a fucking uh, giant before he left, like, and he got, you know, he got tested when he went over there and got fucking arrested. And what are they going to do then? No, no matchmaker. Joe Silva would have to unretire. <laughs> Sorry, Joe. Do you know? 
You're back. But these things, these things happen in MMA. But anyway, okay, Andrew, you pull up the questions. And while you're doing that, let me give an old thanks to our sponsor, rosnutrition.com, Ireland's leading um, providers of all the best things for your nutrition, for your gains, for everything. Uh, protein powder, both, what was it, plant-based and whey. Um, they have multivitamins, vitamin D, vitamin B, all that good stuff. Head on over to rosnutrition.com. You can get 25 let me say it again, 25% off your first order with the promo code SEVERMMA. Stick that into the box when you get to the uh, I'm nowhere the near getting these questions up, by the way. So, And then uh, you'll get 25% <laughs> off your first order with rosnutrition.com. rosnutrition.com. Help us help you. Sean. Yes. First question of the week from Andrew McGahan. What's your favorite color? Uh, green. Okay, could you elaborate on why you yeah, like green? It's because I liked the turtles when I was young and people used to ask me what my favourite colour was and I said it's green because I like the turtles. Did you ever say I like turtles? Uh, maybe. Alright, did you not know that video? What? No. Alright, there's a guy that goes, I like turtles. What's your favourite number? Uh, 14. 5 is mine. Um, 14 and 4 would be my two favourite numbers. It used to be on Bosco's box, remember that? No, but that sounds like a horrible name for an Irish amateur porn. But, oh, Jesus. Amateur? <laughs> Bosch yeah, well, box. Yeah. Boss anyway. box. Sorry, I have those questions up, but I was trying to go into my own Twitter as well. So yeah, sure, these things I, have, happen. I have the Severe MMA podcast Twitter account and my own podcast Twitter account up because I got some questions as well earlier on. Nice. So, number one. Sean Sheehan did not unfavorite last week's questions as well. I did. There must be something wrong with your thing. Oh, did you? Yeah. Um. Well, here we go. First question. One Mr. Podge, as always. Should Batman. we be questioning the credibility or legitimacy of the loser of Mickey Gall versus Sage Northcutt? And would they get cut soon after? <laughs> No, I don't think so. I think it's I think it's pretty even enough fight as match match made my by Sean Sheehan again, as we all know. Um no, I think it's I think it's a close fight and whoever loses will be getting out of fight, you see. Uh John Menton, he's been away for a while. Yeah. He's back on the questions. I'm back, Johnny. Welcome back. Who would you select as a good opponent, Sean, for zero and zero Dylan Dennis? I don't know if you see it seen it during the week. Dylan Dennis somehow made headlines. And this is more of an issue in itself. And I actually want to discuss about this in a minute. Mm -hmm. But he put up an Instagram post in Conor McGregor vein saying he would play with every single one of them at Dana White at UFC. Did he have the Conor McGregor old man glasses on? Not that I know of. I think he was on the mats. So um, I still laugh every time I seen that Conor McGregor looks like he's about to release an IRS thing yeah. from the 80s. Mate. <laughs> That's hilarious. That is so good. That's yeah, meme, one, yeah. meme history. Um, <laughs> like, jiu-jitsu and MMA are two very different things. So I don't think Dylan Dennis is going to get signed to the UFC anytime soon by doing posts like that. But I definitely would like to see him fight Crone Gracie in an MMA match is all I'm saying. Mm-hmm. If Hashtag you want watch. a good opponent for a 0-0 zero and zero Dylan Dennis, put him up against Crone Gracie, 2-0 and Crone Gracie. Did you see him fight last week, Sean? I before? didn't. 
but I heard he was absolutely phenomenal. Top kicks, was he? Oh, he was brilliant. Um, that's my fight. If you're gonna do it CM in Punk. any way, shape, or form, right? Have Conor McGregor fight Nate Diaz again. John yeah. Kavanaugh will fight Caesar Gracie, mm. and Dylan Dennis will fight Crone Gracie. I love it. And we'll build a Sign. card around that. UFC two on nine in Stockton. There you go. Boom. Money. Money. Absolutely. Money. My 10% of that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Tim Kennedy. Oh, Did you see that question? No. It was another follow up from Mr. Podge. The medicals required for UFC oh, 205 yes. are quite extensive, and they're all at a fighter's expense. Now, uh-huh. he released everything that he needed. Now. I thought the UFC was paying for them, but maybe I'm gone mad. So. Sean, I think a lot of these things are similar to what Irish pro fighters have to go through as well at the moment. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if they need to all get them done fresh for 205, but... Tim Keenan hasn't fought in two years either as well. Remember that? Yeah, well, so that's yeah. that's potentially why he has to do it all for 205. Yeah. So maybe not that long actually, but no one. I'm not too sure. Either way, it was maybe one that we'll speak about at length closer to 205 because I would li- I think maybe more fighters are going to come out about this leading up to it if they do have to pay extra. So we'll mm. put that one on the back burner. Sheehan's Tatoes, the worst Twitter name on Twitter, would like to know the best. has Tumanov been a little bit overrated? Or have opponents figured them out? Or is it just two guys that have implemented grappling styles against them recently? I think a li- little bit of all three, yeah. to be honest. Um, I maybe overrated him a little bit. He's been figured out a little bit as well. Um, you know, and the guys who've been against him have been good grapplers. Although Leon Edwards, how good a grappler actually is he? Although he, he was good now, he was impressive. But I don't think he's the best grappler in the world. I don't think he's going to grapple a lot of people. Like, if he fought Gunnar Nelson and it went to the ground, like I think you'd expect Gunnar Nelson to probably win that uh, fairly handily. So, well done. That's maybe not fair because Gunnar Nelson's so good. But, you know, even other guys who are maybe not as good. Um, But, yeah, t- tough for Tumanov as well because, I don't know, I don't see a lot of improvements coming there. Um over his last few fights so yeah I think a little bit of entree there we go Keen O'Connell there's only 121 after the uh, did you hear about the uh, is it Chechnya 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 yeah. Chechnya Kadrov yeah the dictator put children in a mixed martial arts yeah. fight um, now I'm not did he put the children in the fight his son yeah his was son one was one of the people mm-hmm. fighting on a show that he was at I believe his son won what responsibility does the MMA community as a whole have to stop or condemn these actions? And should fighters like Khabib, who supports him, or others like Mir, Weidman, Verdum, and Edgar, who have all been out there for appearances and stuff like that, I think you're going to find there's a common manager maybe in place. Uh, hold on, now. before he said, I'm not sure all of those names have actually been out there. So Verdum has, I'm pretty sure, but maybe go and look at all the rest. And yeah, look, listen, there shouldn't be, children shouldn't be fighting full contact MMA. Like it's wanting training when you have a trainer watching you and when you have, when you're fully padded up or when you're, you know, hitting a bag or something or doing light sparring, but there's another thing going in and actually fighting at 11 years of age. That shouldn't be happening for me. You know, uh, it's just it's just wrong, and I think he's. Uh, I think Kareem Zidane uh, 
had a few tweets about it. I think you wrote an yeah, article about it that he, it's him trying to look like the strong man and him trying to, uh, you know, he, this is his heir and he's going to be as, as tough as he was and all this. But I think Fedor came out and, and said it was bad and stuff. But Habib, then I think Habib is a little bit um, on his side or whatever, which is maybe not a good side. Maybe it's a little foolhardy by Habib. But yeah, this guy is not a good guy. He's this is not a good thing to be doing and Widen I don't think there, Verdum and Mir. Yeah, I don't think anyone in the MMA community would support that to be honest no not at all and Frankie Edgar was there too uh, mm-hmm. Kareem Zidane just you search it he's done a lot of work on it yeah yeah, I agree with you I and more worryingly at all Khabib says he will retire if he doesn't get a title shot next and the UFC will see because he has power in Russia yeah. And he'll they'll never get into Russia if he doesn't fight for the title next because he has power and he has this and that. I'm like kind of like oh, probably not the sort of stuff you should be saying. Like do you know what I mean? It's a yeah, it's a pity because cloudy uh, enough area. Habib is so likable like that. This is kind of a big dark cloud over him. Yeah, and it's uh, it's sad to see to be honest. But mm. look, Mark O'Brien. Once yeah. no, should BJ Penn just give up trying to come back? Three attempts and still nothing. It was. It, it, I think a lot of people said, and I said as well. It's just, this cloud has a silver lining that BJ Penn doesn't have to get smashed by Ricardo Lamas now. He would have beat uh, Ricardo Lamas. He wouldn't. He's fuck. He would have got absolutely destroyed. Bring him back. Give him if he's coming back, which I think he probably will fight again. Give him someone handier. Give him Dennis Eaver. Dennis Eaver is a perfect fight. I think that should fight should be made again. <laughs> oh my god. What? Sorry, I, I, I can't say it, but if you look at your WhatsApp, you'll see that. Okay, the next question is, which one of the UFC 205 bouts do you think is most likely to be cancelled due to injury from Keen 097? Um, which one? Uh, <laughs> um, uh, Joel Romero or Chris Weidman? Excellent. Uh, Mick Duffy wants to know with the 100th episode fast approaching, have we got anything special planned for it? A uh, live show from the Man Cave, maybe a special guest, perhaps Siri or the return of Sean's inspirational quote. Yeah, the inspirational quote will come back. I'll bring that back for 100. There you P- go. Put it out there. Tweet us what you want us to do for episode 100. Yeah. And we'll think wrong. about it. We won't do <laughs> and anything. then we'll probably not do it. But look, we'll def- we're definitely open to suggestions. Um. You already touched on it, Sean, but Fionn and Rowan, R- Rowan, Rowan, whatever, F-I-O-N-N-A, Fada N, R-O-W-A-N, you touched on it. How far do you think DKZ's ceiling is in the UFC? Are we talking think, a future champ? Yeah, I don't think he has one. I think it's it's an open ceiling. Yeah, I can go anywhere. You never know, like, but it could be. He has championship potential, definitely. There we go. Um, how long has Sean Sheehan been trying to grow that beard from Kevin? Um, about two weeks. Oh, well, there you go. Shaved about two weeks ago. Good man. Um, will Bisbing become even better after his five-round redemption win with the UFC 100 monkey finally off his back? It's kind of combining with a question saying, is Michael Bisbing in the prime of his fighting career or if Tim, things just fell quite favourably for him at the moment? Ah... <sighs> It, that knockout I wrote my Shardog article there last week that knockout against uh, Rockall just changed his whole career that one left hand changed everything and uh, it wasn't lucky he he landed it so fair play to him he did Climb, it himself climbed the ladder kid 
make yourself famous. Andy Cowan wants to know, this is one more for the listener, Sean. Since the yeah. UFC stopped streaming events live on Fight Pass, do you find that you're not seeing as many events? I keep forgetting to record the main events on BT, and if I do, I don't always get a chance to watch them back. I used to watch them in bed the morning after, but since I don't have the luxury anymore since they can't be streamed, is anybody else the same? Also, what solutions have people found who don't have access to BT Sport? I don't. I won't. It's not a question for me because no, I just watch them all. Like, exactly. Same as myself. <laughs> but we'll just put that out there and let yeah, people maybe get in touch. Because I was in. We had a couple of people ask as well about. I think someone else asked about the UFC. Blah blah blah. Ruining this with Fight Pass. Um, yeah. and a lot of people as well just so we're talking about fans a lot of people who I had on to me were not happy with UFC Manchester and they're like they should never ever do this again it was terrible having it late at night really? yeah somebody Most, asked like, the question as well saying what was what was the reaction I'd like to know as well from people that were at it yeah Will it Martin like. Will Martin was saying that they shouldn't do it again I had I can't remember someone else that I uh, their opinion I trust their opinion saying it as well that they should never do it I, like five or six because I made kind of some comment about it uh, went off well and stuff and then loads of people were like no it didn't it was terrible they should never do it again one person oh what's his name uh, Jared Jared Hewitt or something like that I think his name is I met him at UFC Dublin nice guy he was saying like half his group were asleep and like all the loads of people around him were asleep for loads of the fights and everything that apparently wasn't it wasn't didn't go off at all so. but loads of finishes it was it was a great card yeah, like, no doubt about it but a lot of people like if I was there there's no way I was falling asleep but, and I think I said it before that they needed a great card like that so people wouldn't fall asleep And but they still did like it's just it's, it's just hard but, they weren't ready uh, they weren't like Michael no. Bisbing in the gym at 4 o'clock every morning that exactly. week training exactly. Aaron Cullen wants to know who should Mike Parry fight next Perry. Also, he put up a mad Instagram post today describing in detail all the damage he did. Like, he's Dickhead. a bit of a psychopath. Like, yeah, he should fight Colby Covington. Okay, good fight. David Nutty wants to know when is is it acceptable for Christmas stock to be in shops? Hashtag it's not even Halloween yet. Aka my birthday. December. <gasps> Sean, we're going to be recording a podcast on my birthday. My birthday is uh, Monday the 31st of October Nice Excellent We'll have good crack that day You better have a present for me I'll have a cake I'm eating a cake live on the podcast on my birthday And I don't care if I'm chewing on the microphone I'm allowed to do it My presence is your present Mm. There you go I really like it Um, Ian Thornton says What are your thoughts on Bellator planning to stage Its first event in Ireland Before the end of the year Cool, good, I like it. Will you More go? In the merrier? Possibly. I don't know. Maybe not. I, I don't <laughs> think I'll even bother going to Belfast, to be honest. Really? Yeah, I don't Why? know. I've no idea. You're better off watching at home. Like, I honestly are. Neil Series finals fights, Sean. Come on, know, the fuck. Yeah. We'll see. Don't be at it. Um, did you feel the Vitor stoppage was late? Seems like a standing KO when he got beaten awake from Brian Lynch, MP. <laughs> He should have stopped it when Gegard had had him in the submission. That's what he should have stopped. <laughs> no, um, oh. no, I thought it was alright, to be honest. Eamon McLean says, Damien Maya thinks fighters should be told the scorecards at the end of each round. What do you think? Oh, no, oh, I hate that. I hate that. But, it would change I just, I don't if like, a fighter was up would, two. Yeah, if you're up 
two you're just gonna like if Damien Maia if there's two even enough rounds right and it came to the third maybe Damien Maia could he's corner could tell him oh, you could be two rounds down here and Damien Maia go out and pull out a fucking unbelievable submission and win it or else like it could be announced Damien Maia is up two rounds Damien Maia could just take a guy down and lay on him for a round now not just Damien Maia anyone could do the same like it's not just just uh, wrestling as well. It could be a striker. It could be could be see people running away because they know they're two rounds up or they're three one up or whatever. So no, I don't, I don't like it at all. And I think people are saying, oh, people should know what the score is. It's the only sport they don't know what the score is. That's fine. Yeah, that's that's fair enough. But the fact that that could happen, that people could know that they're already up and could um, could fight differently because of it. I think that is reason enough not for it to happen. Word. Boom. Completely agree. Scruffy Duffy wants to know, does Connor have the power to keep an Irish pay-per-view event at local time? Yeah, he does. We really enjoyed UFC Crow Park that happened earlier on in the year. Yeah. UFC won. No, I'm only joking. No. They could do one. They could do it in the tree arena at late at night, I reckon. And let a copious amount of Irish people dander out Next yeah. to the river at five o'clock in the morning, Sean. Be grand. <laughs> Be grand. Okay. Yeah. Oh, mix the Irish with the early morning Lewis commuters. That would be fantastic. Yeah. Oh, unreal. Um, Mark Fahey wants to know, since when did Gegard Musasi become one of the most exciting fighters in MMA? Gegard. Gegard. When, when he's a punching bag against him. He's look exciting. When you're fighting someone who's not moving back. No. <laughs> Oh, uh, Sean, are there some MMA striking specialists that would be doing kickboxing or Muay Thai instead if the money was better? Wonder Boy. Yeah, would you say uh, so? Yeah. Is there anyone else? They're probably Overeem. Um, Mark Hunt. Yeah, that's about it, maybe. There's probably a few more I'm not thinking of. Sean, what did, Will, uh, what did Dominic Cruz say about Conor McGregor at the weekend? He said that. Because <laughs> uh, Will Martin says he has positioned Bektich as a potential 145 champ in the last two years. What are your thoughts on him? And can you see him one day being a champ? And thoughts definitely. on Cruz's comments towards Connor at the weekend. Cruz, Someone had asked about how a Cruz-McGregor super fight at 145 would go as well. Cruz said that the only way to beat McGregor is to get into his head. And he said he's the master of getting into people's heads. And he knows that he can get into Conor McGregor's head oh. and beat him mentally. It was a brilliant promo. Was it actually? Yeah. Oh, it was brilliant. Unbelievable. I want to see that fight now. Make it happen. That's a good idea. I would be okay with that. Um, Sean, who is your favourite person to do tape on when you're doing your previews? That's from Owen Leonard. And he asked me who's my favourite fighter to interview in Irish MMA or MMA. To be honest, Franz Malambo is probably one of the nicest guys to interview in Irish MMA. Uh, Carl Moore is very nice as well. And... Uh, they would be my two shots. Mm, my, I like. I actually like watching Bisping fight. His style, Wonder Boy, obviously uh, one as well. Uh, Thomas Almeida was a very good one. He did recently. Uh, Dominic Cruz, I'd say Dominic Cruz is my number one. He's mm. the way he fights. I know he doesn't get many finishes and stuff, but the way he fights is just, just phenomenal. Um, Kevin Higgins we have a few more before we go Kevin Higgins wants to know what the fuck is Moreno doing behind Smolka when he literally just beat him UFC rankings to the rescue I I, I think that's correct he should be you don't get ranked from one fight the rankings are not based on one fight rankings are based on 
longer than one fight. You know, Lewis Smolka, for me, was one of the best flyweights in the world. And he should be ranked in the top three or four, regardless, or top five, maybe, regardless of uh, of uh, that last loss. And I don't think um, Marina should be based on one win. So I think he should be over him. Lewis Mogg is 13 at the moment. I think he should be higher than 13. And Moreno's 15. Like, I'd... Uh, I'd have I'd have Smolka still over Ian McCall at the moment. To be honest, Ian McCall lost a couple of fights recently and stuff. Um, but but I still made the weight. Smolka made it. No, but I mean he didn't get to fight. You know, it's not. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. That, that is. is. Yeah, but he still didn't fight. Like it's a, mm. yeah. Jamie McDermott wanted to know what age did I start jujitsu? That was at eighteen. Uh, no, seventeen, and then I turned eighteen two months later. If I had any sort of regret, it's that I didn't start it years and years earlier. Mm. And uh, Sean, I actually think that co- I'm sorry that I ended it on such a shit question. Sorry. Andrew when started jiu at 18. What age are you going to get your black belt at? I'm going to have a black belt before 30, within the next what is, what seven you know? years. Uh, 23. Uh, you'll surely have it quicker than that, will you? Don't care if I don't or not. I just would like uh, one before you only 30. Think that. You only think that. I reckon you'll have it before you're 25. I definitely won't. Not a hope So you're training about 10 times a week I'm not though Not the last while They're only, so. they're only Fucking robbing money From you Andrew What? You should be, you should be A proper belt already You're dead right What you were saying I there, didn't private. say that I you're did de- dead right Stop. You said you're Brown belt quality Stop. And you said You should definitely I Have your proper belt You said that. you're tapping Black belts left right And centre That's like, a lie Let's be honest That's you, a you lie You 100% said that like. Why are you trying to get me in trouble? Like, you know, Come that, on, people that's not know true, that's like. bullshit. Come on, yeah, of course it's bullshit. That. I'm a respectful martial artist. Martial artist. No, I just said martial. Martial. Wait. You, martial? Do you know when a word starts sounding, sounding stupid to you? Yeah. Because I thought I was saying martial mathers there. Like, mar- is it martial artist or martial? Like Tony Martial. Yeah, like martial. Like martial law. No. No? Okay. No. Martial arts then. Yeah. Mixed martial okay. arts. Let's, let's do this, yeah. So, Sean Sheehan, mm-hmm. on a serious note, okay, to finish the podcast, all fun and jokes aside, in yeah. case you didn't hear us at the start, in case you skipped the introductions, we've no podcast next week. We're taking a break. We're taking a nice week off, a well-deserved break from each other. We're going to be back with a bang. Leading up to UFC 205, there will be an extra podcast. You're not going to miss out on podcasts. Whoever's over in New York, we might even just try knock a mini one out every day. You never know what's going to happen. UFC 205 is going to be mental. <clears throat> Maybe we're going to launch our Conspiracy Theory podcast instead, as I said earlier on in the next week. That could happen. Jet, uh, the Jetfield Camp L Steel Beams podcast featuring beams. Sean and Andrew. Um, but aside from that, Sean, any other yeah. gossip? Any other crap? Uh, Do you know what today thing- is? Oh, go on. Let's we can can we just dedicate this podcast today to Josh the man who passed away oh, yeah. during the week. Um, it was always like some people. Someone asked there who would enjoy watching Deb on. I think he was like one of those guys. Lot, you know, a lot of big knockouts, good fighter, and it's it's sad how you know he died during the week. And I know everyone's severe. May wishes condolence to his family and also we dedicate this week's podcast to him and. Um, well, rest in peace. You're dead, right? Yep. Uh, a nice tribute. There was a lot of nice tributes going out about him online. There was. Bloody Elbow did a great one. Have a read of that. And, those, um, those... Chuck Mindenhall did a great one. Yeah. 
those in the guys, uh, those who would have been involved in the sport, covering it domestically in the U- in the US. I don't mean domestically, but being at a lot of the events, he yeah. covered a lot of events as media as well, and he would have had a great relationship with the media as well. I'm pretty sure if he. Has he covered fights as well? Am I not? He was uh, well, a writer. He was yeah, a writer as well. I'm not sure he ever went as media, but he d- definitely wrote a lot. He wrote a great uh, trilogy just, uh, I think, the week yes, before he died. On, on, yeah, on yeah. Uh, PEDs and stuff like that. So definitely give that a read and stuff. So, yeah, it's you know, it's a sad loss for the whole game. Like, he, he was a promoter, fighter, writer, everything. So, you know, it's a sad loss. Sean, to finish the It's Just Come Out There, the Nevada State Athletic Commission have recommended a punishment of $25,000, 25 hours community service, and media training for Conor McGregor. Media training. Media training. Mm, that's media training for Conor McGregor. Media training for Conor McGregor. Where, where are you seeing I'm, this? It's, it's on Twitter right now. Sean, oh. if, I'm, if I can make, if I can make the, uh, the reference to The Office... Are you a fan of The Office with Ricky Gervais? Uh, a little bit. Do you know one of the opening episodes when he tries to get a guy in for the forklifting test? He's like, yeah. has he got the, Has he done the test? He writes the test, mate. And then he does the, the nose <laughs> thing, the Pinocchio thing, as if he's lying on the phone. Here, like, let, me, let me tell you a good one about that. Well, I was working in, in Palace Foods, right? It's like this food distribution place. And one day, do you know they have like these, you have uh, forklifts and uh, stand-up uh, pallet carts. One day there was um, a fella in to teach people how, you know, you do a course to drive the stand-up pallet carts. And he was teaching them to drive the stand-up pallet carts. And as he did, I drove through the course on a stand-up pallet cart, having never taken the course before. Excellent. <laughs> Oh, that was hilarious. But yeah, this McGregor thing. Yeah, I think I think that's fair enough. I think this is basically just, oh, we have to do something and we did something. 25 grand to Conor McGregor's fuck all. 25 hours community service to do that in a weekend. So yeah, it's it's great. Media training. That's ridiculous. This hilarious. Is, this is excellent here. I can't wait to get, get off this podcast and watch it. The one thing, Sean, that I did meant to say until that came up on my Twitter is today is World Mental Health Day. We've been very vocal about this on the podcast before. We've had a lot of people reach out to us as well. Do something today that you wouldn't normally do. You're going to be listening to this tomorrow morning, Tuesday morning. World Mental Health Day was yesterday. You don't need a day on it to be able to change somebody's day. Text someone you haven't texted in a long time. See how they're doing. Someone from school, someone you fell out of touch with. Smile at people in the street. Leave a door open for someone. Tell them they've got a nice smile. Tell them their jacket looks fucking unreal. Do whatever you want to make someone's day better today after you've listened to this Severe MMA podcast. My name is Andrew McGahan. That man is the wonderful Sean Sheehan. He's at Twitter at Sean Sheehan BA. Follow the Severe MMA Podcast Twitter account, Severe MMA Pod. Good friends and sponsors, ORSNutrition.com. I'm at Andrew McGahan underscore. And ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for lending us your ears for the last hours and 45 minutes of your lives. But Sean Sheehan, take it away. See you next Tuesday. No, not, not next Tuesday. We'll see you next Tuesday week. Good luck. <laughs>